Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Talk Recorded? Tonight, tonight gonna be a little old to Doctor Ben tonight though. You know what I mean? We gotta, um, we, you know, we always, we always wanna make sure that we, we uh, respect and represent the elders. That's our number one thing: is to respect and represent the elders in a, uh, in the best manner possible. Um, so that's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna get it in nice. We're gonna uh, throw a couple clips. By the master teacher, Ren. Uh, if anybody was able, you know, well, the the uh, wait just ended eight o'clock, and it was in Harlem, New York. There will be 
uh, the uh, funeral will be tomorrow, 9.30. We had some of the, uh, we'll list you on some of the information. And so, you know, right now your brother is, is striving to put things together because we just got the final uh, information today. You know, it wasn't put out very early on exactly uh, what was what, but, the, uh, you know, uh, people might be looking to see if they could donate or give something to Dr. Ben. Looking to see if they could donate or give something to Dr. Ben. But, um, you know, I'll try to help with the funeral arrangements, but uh, lest it be known that everything's been taken care of. He will be buried in the same funeral, I mean, in the same cemetery as uh, Malcolm. And I will pull up that information for y'all in one moment so I can make sure I give y'all all the complete details for tomorrow if you are in the New York area. And at the end of the show, we will give the same details again. But again, I'd like to thank y'all for uh, tuning in, stepping on in to the zone. So we're going to we'll have it right in one second, and we're going to everything open up. You know how I do. Always open up the chat room, secondary. And again, then just put in a little, a little this, a little that real quick. Have to uh, put that African national anthem on. Queen Jasira, play that for the family real fast. Uh, I'll tell you, my she just bogged out on the family. I'm bugging it right now. Uh, I do. I don't know what's going on, but I'm looking at that to see something live. But anyway, let me get back to, to what we need to be doing. Get back to church. Let me get to our thing. Let's get into our thing. Right. See here, open this, open this up, open this up, open, open, open. Um, and sign into this thing, get this thing right and right. Like, you know, we starting off as early, but like I said, we're going we're going to get into some doctor bed tonight on Think Tank Thursday. We, we're not going to. Uh, you know, we just want to send that respect because uh, tonight, you know, like I said uh, a couple moments ago, uh, we just had, uh, you know, the wait was tonight in Harlem. I'm going to read this information, detailed information for the family real, real quick. So if you give your, your heads up on that, let's see here. All right, on um, the fuel proceedings, let's see, uh, Friday, April 10th, 2015, 
Hold on, hold on. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I bugging out? I'm bugging, I'm bugging, I'm bugging, family. I'm bugging. Let me read this to y'all. Let me read this to y'all. Maybe, let me read this to y'all. Maybe they're going through the funeral burial process. I don't, let me read this to you. Let me get this right. Because I thought this was tonight. I don't know what made me think this was tonight. But I'm getting this date, and I'm really reading this right now. Well, this is a little while. Like, the funeral will be held. All right. All right, it's the 26th. So, all right, a week from now, two weeks. Mm. Uh, that's 15 days from now. That's two weeks. That's at least 15 days. That's two weeks, definitely. Two weeks. Two weeks from today will be the wake for Dr. Ben. Two weeks from today. That'll be April 9th, 2015, between 4 and 8 p.m. at Abyssinian Baptist Church, 132nd West 138th Street. Uh, Dua Funeral Service, Friday, April 10th, 2015. You know, I just wanna, I just wanna, I, I, I got, to, I got to call this. I gotta call this, man. All right, I got I, I I got to call this number. All right, tell me, let me, let me, let me. Thank you for calling the Abyssinian Baptist Church in the city of New York. Abyssinian is located at 132 Odell Fox Place, on 138th Street. Three-digit extension now to access our directory of ministers, church officers, and administrative staff. Press three. What's saying? Good evening. Yes, um, my name is Brother Bourne. I'm calling in regards to the wake and funeral arrangements of Doctor of Doctor Ben. I know the building wheelchair accessible. I, I know that already. But uh, that's 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 about all, brother. Thank you, thank you very much for your time. I'm glad that somebody answered the phone. Um, okay. We just, you know, just calling want to make sure that we can, you know, I'm up here in Connecticut, want to get down there just to at least send my love, you know. Okay, cool. Thank you for your love, bro. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you too, family. All right. Peace. All right, family. Um, I just made the call to the uh, to the Abyssinian church that's going to be holding the 
wait for Dr. Ben, and, and it is correct. It will be April 9th. April 9th, uh, there will be a, a wake, and April 10th will be the funeral the funeral uh, commencement. So um, I'm at least happy that it's not tonight. You know what I mean? I'm happy that it's not tonight and that it's not tomorrow because it's rainy and cold as it is. I would I would hate to have to have to travel in that, but I'm just I'm just glad that it's not. And uh, you know I plan on making sure that I get down here. As anybody who's in the area, you know you should just you know you should strive to get out there and just pay homage to Dr. Ben and the things that he has brought forth to this African community. So. Know that your brother will be there. Your brother will be there. I got plenty of time. Make sure all that's set up and get out there to haul them early in the morning. Early. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely will do that. Mm. And as we know, um, as a people, we got to. Uh, do better, be better, and that was and that was one of the uh, one of the things that Doctor Man gave us that wake up call to not only know better but to do better and be better on a daily basis. To, you know, because we can see through his the genesis in his life, we can see the progression in his life and see how he grew. We can see the growing through the work that he put out. So we thank him very much for that right there. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, the the lecture that I want to that I want to play by Dr. Ben is the concept of my eye understanding the keep along. And uh, so I'm going to do that. Let me see real fast, right there. We're going to do that right there. We're going to put we're going to put that out because, like I said, you know, it's a uh, we want to just put that. We just want to do that dedication and send that love to Dr. Ben. And you know, respect the elders. Let them tell the tale in his own in his own words. Uh, people might not have heard this lecture before. If you have, good. If you haven't, you know, it's also it's also good because you'll be um, you'll get some new information from an old source. And you know, like Dr. Benny, like a good piece of leather. You know what I'm saying? So you know, that's what it, that's what it is, family. Black Power, how are you doing out there, brother? Little. Getting it in out there with the Lord one and eighteen. Oh man, I'm on the, I'm on this I'm on this road, man. Coming back from my nephew gang black. Uh, all right, all right, no doubt, no doubt. So, uh, but that's what I'm gonna do tonight, brother Little Man. You know, Doctor Nami. I'm feeling Doctor Ben tonight, brother Doctor Benish, man. I'm glad that it ain't tonight. I'm glad to wake in tonight because I was like, yo, when I was saying it, I was like, damn, that's kind of quick. But I'm glad I reread it and read the date. And that'll be two weeks from now. So, you know, your boy, I'll be blocking the place. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, know, you know it's black power on that, fam. You can never go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah nah, no, no doubt. Definitely. I definitely, you know, um, if I don't make to the Thursday, the Thursday or the Friday, I'm good for both of them. And I'm really, um, I'm going to go ahead and make sure it's early. I might just go down for both of them. Know what I mean, just uh, see who I can take down, get some of the young ones that, you know what I'm saying, I'll put on the Dr. Ben and, and take them down there. You feel me? Uh, do it like that. 
take the uh, little one down. They might say, that's what I'm depending on uh, whether I might go at that night or during that day or whether or not I want to uh, ride with the little one or not. But uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. yeah, just get some pictures for the family or something. Nah, no video cast on something. Yeah, no, nah, no doubt, Sammy, no doubt. We definitely had a camera at work. You know what I mean? Definitely had that going. So, um, but with, with that being said, though, brother, little man, I don't want hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Let me see. Yo, tell me if you tell me if you can hear this clear. I'm gonna play this for a second, and then I just I'm, I'm gonna plug plug it back off, and just let me know if it's clear. Of the Ethiopian legislative court, of the boundary of the legislative court, none other than our revered elder, Joseph Benjamin. Kind of, sort of, brother. I give it like a, like a trick. It returned because this most faithful of African Africans, Africans are. All right, no doubt. All right, so I'm gonna get, let me get that. Let me get that right. Let me pull it. Let me chew it back to the to the beginning of that spot right there. Chew it back, so we can. So I'm gonna get every. I'm gonna get every single piece of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling real good. You know what I mean? Let it let just chew all the way chew all the way to the spot. Get it on there and let it be a Dr. Ben night, you know what I mean? Black power, I'll say to that. Wouldn't know what I know without that man, so black power. Already, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. We all we all uh, gotta be grateful for this man. So with that being said, family out there, you know, uh, I'd like to thank y'all for coming out to feet on the ground. Uh, you know, get yourself together, get your little couple drinks and stuff, your waters, and, you know, get your notepads, uh, put your headphones on, listen in intently, get your Google open, write some notes, Google some things that he's saying, so you can make sure that you want you on point. As, as Dr. Ben always, you know what I'm saying, let you know that, listen, he got this information through study, the same way that Dr. Uh, Dr. John Henry Clark, a lot of, you know, gave us that same same thought that we they got this through study. So it ain't nothing that you can't get either. With that being said, let me let me close my mouth and let me let Dr. Yosef Ben Yakanan speak for himself. This lecture is entitled "The Concept of My Understanding the Kiva Line." But Dr. Hey, yo, hold on, brother B. What, what happened to the anthem family? Oh yeah, not oh, oh you missed the anthem. You missed the oh, anthem. We're gonna, yeah, oh, we're going to play it one more time again. You missed the uh, uh, we, we, we played the We had the anthem rocking. We're going to hit it one more time. We're going to hit the anthem one more time. We're going to hit this RBG International anthem one more time, and then we'll uh, get to that. Doctor yeah, yeah, I got to pledge allegiance to the RBG before I get started. You feel? No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Black power. Black power. Well, 
Black Power Fest in the air. So that's all it is. As long as we keep going, you know, everything will get built regardless at the end of the day. 
It all get built. We all putting our little pieces together. And matter of fact, I owe you some pictures anyway. So. Because of the. Here we go. So, all right, so what, what, what's this one right here? I forgot. It's the uh, my eye and uh, a key line. Yeah, the concept of of my eye understanding a key line. All right, black power. All right. Come on. If I can get it, to, I keep on getting it past the point. I'm I'm less enough. Let me maybe if I turn it sideways, I can chew it to the right. To the right section. Uh, good afternoon. <coughs> you must excuse my hostness, but uh, as you were told, because of the bad weather in uh, Michigan, and I was running around this week preparing to uh, bury a brother of, of mine, not biologically, but an adopted brother. We were so close for so many years that if we were biologically, it couldn't be any different. A brother who just passed after six days of marriage, uh, at 71, he had a massive heart attack. So the irony is that he married uh, on a Wednesday. The next Wednesday morning, he was dead. And the following Wednesday coming up, he will be ritualized and the third, and the next day after, he would be interned. Uh, many of you may have known of him. Uh, he was once the greatest jazz violinist in the United States, Mr. Aubrey Welch. He drew from professional music because he refused to allow drugs to be used in his quartet. And, went, and then went to drive a taxi and subsequently retired, but still played music for shut-ins and hospitals and so forth, and sometimes in the summer in the park, uh, parks department. As a matter of fact, he was going to play for the group sponsoring next week's uh, dinner uh, at Camp, at Camp Minnesota. Uh, now he's passed away. To me, it was worse than that because I introduced him to the lady he married. Uh, I, started, I stood for, as the best man at the wedding and all of that. Uh, every morning that I was in the United States and was traveling outside of New York, we had breakfast together. So you could understand that uh, when he died, suddenly it was a shock. Uh, particular shock to me, and I had to work with his wife, brother, in preparing for the funeral rites starting this Wednesday coming. So between those two things, uh, as our brother said, the 
what he's apparently said it had to rest and I lay down but then Sister Kefford called me and reminded me that I was to come here today. I I I it slipped me because I was sleeping, but I got up to the task. So I thank you for forgiveness for not having my voice in the proper manner. It was interesting to come today and to see the video, uh, the Gilnoble video dealing with Rabbi Setzer. Uh, some years ago, a few, uh, two or three years ago, I guess it was. And because the topic of the day falls just in line, understanding Alkevalan's original philosophical ethical masterpiece, I must equally add to this a situation that took place not too long ago. And I was at that time on the Gary Bird show, which was held at the Apollo Theater before it was moved back downtown. At that time, a flash came over the radio and the television and other media, and it was a big affair about the release of Mandela. Gary Bird on the show turned to me and asked me what I thought about it. It was, of course, he too was elated. And I stopped and I asked him what he said. And he said, Mandela was released. Just within a few minutes ago, what I thought of it. I said, all I thought about it is that many would no longer have to masturbate. I read her. She would no longer have to hold a pillow and he would no longer have to masturbate. And everybody thought I was crude. As a matter of fact, the next persons to come in front of Brother uh, Bird's radio started to lambast me for the lack of feelings. But I realized then, as I realized now, I wasn't going to change my statement because my statement was based upon research as I didn't state, change my statement when Rabbi Selsa started his attack. You should have been after the show in the blue room downstairs when Rabbi Selsa did another dance. <laughs> and that was the, I didn't know you were Jewish dance. But, but that didn't change anything because I had already told Rabbi Selsa what it was right there at the radio. And of course, he had another paper that he had come with, and that's why the anti-Semitism paper, which he could not use. I think that you now realize what I knew about Mandela, because you have seen where Mandela and others have seen and given the clear total commitment of the people he allegedly leads that the clear doesn't have to give anything for the first five years. And in the second five years, it will, they will discuss it if it's appropriate. And you have seen again who are the leaders of the ANC, the Europeans, and that there is no way in which the Africans in the ANC are prepared for the onslaught 
that the Europeans are doing for them. So within these aspects, one probably now will say, and I heard some, some folks have been telling me, how do you know? You, if they had followed the life of Mandela, they would have realized that he didn't go to jail for being black. He didn't go to jail for being an African. He went to jail for protecting the information of a client he represented as a lawyer, not for being an African nationalist or anything like that. And therefore, I knew, based upon the, the release, it had to be something very important because the man for the PSC who was released on the same date as Mandela was in prison 15 months before Mandela and left the same time as Mandela Yes, the press played up nothing about this man who died two weeks later after he was left from other things that I knew that made me say the statement I did. Uh, in the case of the rabbi, as you notice, the rabbi was saying, yes, Dr. Ben is right halfway, but and this other way, he isn't right. That the Jews were not, that Judaism didn't come out of Africa, then he turns around and says, well, yes, there was the time with Abraham as it said that the Jews were there. And I said for 400 years, Moses and all of them were, they became if they were, and there never was anything. And they, they became what they were supposed to be while in Egypt, and they all were born there, in, except uh, Abraham and, and Joseph and a few other uh, people there. We have a habit of supporting popular situation rather than correct situation. If the thing has the popularity of the time, we support it. And anyone who dares to challenge it, we do not ask the challenger, do you have facts? And then examine the facts that the challenger put forward, but we reject the challenger solely because the persons in view is popular. This week, uh, last weekend, we had a popular uh, situation of buying clothes. Uh, regardless of what the quality of clothes was, we were out there demonstrating for an affair that never took place. We were out there talking about Osiris, his son, I'm using the Western term, his son, Horus, and Osiris' wife and Horus' mother, Isis. We were celebrating, first we were mourning the death of the son and celebrating the resurrection of the father. We were celebrating the resurrection of a penis, a hard-on. And don't know it. When we spoke of Jesus' resurrection, we do not know that we were speaking about Osiris receiving back his penis, which had been cut, up, cut off and thrown in the river Nile and eaten by a Nile catfish. With, it returned because this most faithful of African women, as most Africans are, and most African men cannot, I mean, most African women are, and most African men cannot understand it because the masters have already told us that black women are no good, and so we don't marry uh, much, many of them. 
especially when we could throw a baseball or a football or some of their ball. Now, we, we do not examine, as I said before, and so the big fiasco went on, and had we known that the resurrection meant when ISIS appealed to God Ra to give back her husband his manhood so that he can again secure for the world a good God because he was murdered by his brother, the bad God, which he called a devil, said Typhon. And so God had given him back his penis. But the penis was given back as a dead penis, lying straight horizontally. And it is the resurrection of the penis so that Isis could come and lay on the penis and become impregnated by immaculate conception. And we carry this away. We listened to our slave master telling us that this came from Rome. I don't know how you can deal with the immaculate conception from Rome, a faggot, and then, and then speak of it as if it had anything to do with Europe. But then I do know why you can do that, because when I look in your Bible and I look in your home, even in your toilet, and see the person you have up there, it's the same man that whip your ass every day, the slave master. I mean, with you, with your daddy, with your mommy, and I know some of you are already, especially some of you are new, are already uh, sad. You said, God, what I have come into. <laughs> well, you're coming to the truth for a change. And had you, had you been to Egypt, if not with me, but at least been to a place called Dendera, another place called Abydos, immediately you would know what I am speaking is the truth because you would have seen the story of Isis and Horus. You would have immediately, when you saw this picture, because you may not have gone with me before my discussion with, excuse me, with the rabbi, Rabbi Seltzer, but if seen that video again, you would then have known that Rabbi Salsa himself may not have gone to uh, Abydos and Denra. Or if he had gone to Abydos and Den Denra, because of his interest, had to protect the position he took. Remember that Rabbi Salsa not only represented the ADL at that time, but Rabbi Salsa was the president of the local Great Neck NWCP and the local Urban League. He was the multi-genius of Great Neck. <laughs> and he had to say, he had to protect because those of you who are Christian, Jews, and Muslims, Rabbi Salsa was defending you. He was defending you because you have endorsed what he stated and what he stood for. Because whether or not you call yourself Jews or Muslim or Christian, you are tied to the Adam and Eve syndrome, which has nothing to do with life in fact. Had you, had you gone at any time to Egypt, you would have known 
Class number one, the entire Nile Valley civilization preceded Adam and Eve by thousands of years. There was no mention of Adam and Eve anywhere in the world. Since it is the Jews, or Hebrews, or Haribo, any of those names you want, since it is that they are the ones that gave you the concept of an Adam and Eve, if of a beginning of the world starting with a God by the name of Jehovah, you would have known that it could not have been a fact because there isn't a single Jew alive before Abraham. Abraham is said in your Bible, in your Torah, in your uh, 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 Quran, to have been the first of the Jews born in the city of Ur in Chaldea. Now the rabbi had to make a double up and that because he said they were Mesopotamians. They know nothing about them being Mesopotamians. It said he was born in the city of Ur, that's what the Bible said, in the nation of Chaldea, and at Chaldea, they admitted as the rabbi did, was at the time controlled by African people. The same African people, by the way, who had traveled from the Nile Valley all the way, you're going to hear it next week, all the way to India and established the first uh, 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 statutory rules and sacred laws of the Bhagavad which is the Indian book. The, the people you call Dravidians or Tumul or Dalit. Either name, when I've been saying that for umpteen uh, years gone back, way in the 30s, I was accused then of trying to be Indian. I, I, it's the last thing I want to be. And so I'm, I'm very happy being an African. So if, if obviously no one knew me much. It's just like people trying to say that I married uh, uh, a white woman in Egypt. I know the person who said that doesn't know me very well. So I kind of ignored that. But for some of you that I consider a human being, I felt it's necessary to remind you that it is still me, and I haven't gone crazy yet. <laughs> now, there is a, a, another factor that this title today presupposes the philosophical ethical masterpiece. A week or so or more, in the Wall Street Journal, I'm getting in high places in America, a professor, Mary Lefkowitz, felt it necessary to attack me because I gave a lecture at a very nice white school for white uh, girls where a few African women, yeah, I, hope, I hope you understand how I phrase that, it's a school for white girls, and a few African women are attending there. I guess the scholarship is very good, so I don't blame them. And I, this professor sat there. She teaches classic. And because I said the Greek were not classical, therefore they can't teach classics. The only thing classical about the Greeks were the classical faggots. And that's the only thing, especially for most of you who are members of the upper dapper, lapa tapa dapa family. I know that I'm hurting a lot of your feelings, but I generally do that, so don't feel bad. Don't feel bad until I tell you. Don't 
What's the whole story? What's the whole story? And then you know that you're real. Because until I get, I could speak all afternoon, and I should not have mentioned even the word Greek. I could speak for two more weeks and so reach the Greeks. Because they're not around you that you're real. Because until I get, I could speak all afternoon, and I should not have mentioned even the word Greek. I could speak for two more weeks. And don't reach the Greeks. Because they're not around yet. That goes for the Romans too. I could speak another two weeks and don't reach Adam or Eve. And was be still speaking what the Africans said. So when the rabbi admitted that yes, some aspect of Judaism did start in Africa. What do you mean by some? Some is more than three. And if I got ten, some, and, you, and you're talking about three, it's not the half. What I was saying, that the little percentage that didn't come from Africa in Judaism doesn't make up two percent about. Hold on, family. We're going to rearrange this real fast. I mean. That yes, some aspect of Judaism did start in Africa. What do you mean by some? Some is more than three. <laughs> and if I got ten, some, and you're you talking about three, it's not the half. What I'm saying, that the little percentage that didn't come from Africa in Judaism doesn't make up two percent of a hundred. I am saying that if my mother gives birth to me, suddenly, my mother gave birth to me to a certain orifice, which all of you come out, not my mother, but somebody, some mother. Every one of you come to it. The mere fact that I go back into an orifice doesn't make that other woman my mother. The mere fact then that Judas come through the orifice of Africa and then went to Asia to go into the orifice don't mean that Judas is an Asian religion, uh, African religion. And I want to make it clear for those of you who are Jewish, you said, Ben Yekin and said that Jew, Judaism is Jewish. No, Judaism is a fraud, just like Christianity and Islam. It's a fraud because it does not recognize its mother. And any child that disrespects its mother by declaring she is not his or her mother is a fraud. If Judaism could say that any one of its prime members and the first member of Judaism is Avram, is the first of all Jews, if they could say that Adam and Abraham knew anything and wrote anything, published anything, taught anything that was contrary or before or different to what the ancient Africans of the Nile Valley was teaching, then I'm willing to succumb and say, yes, it is valid. It's a religion all by its own and started on its own. It started in Asia as an Asiatic black man's organization. You listen to Asiatic black men. Because listen to it very carefully. There's a lot of jive going down by a crazy man who's following another crazy man who's dead that's saying that I, when I die, I'm going to come back white. 
and I'm going to get straight here, and I'm going to have a narrow nose, and I'm going to have thin lips. If God, if there's a God that does that to me, we're going to have a fight. <laughs> now, he probably wants to be that way because he's no different than Michael Jackson in his thinking. Now, let me get it straight now. Let me just get out here. If anyone plus the rabbi can show me any Jewish writing before that attributed to a man that said born in the city of Goshen in Egypt, and as I remind you, each time I go to Egypt, I make sure that it hasn't gone anywhere that it is still in Africa, because the day it leaves and goes somewhere else, I'm not going there. Now, now, it is a fact then that we see that the first piece of writing attributed to the Hebrews is a book called Exodus, not even Genesis. Because Genesis, and the rabbi had to admit, is an afterthought. The four books of the Torah was written before Rabbi Habrippa and Rabbi Hillel finally found out that, well, we're talking about leaving Egypt and we're not in the world yet. <laughs> so that the council of Jamia has decided to write a book called Genesis, the word meaning beginning. And so they oh, have to find up beginning and yeah, based yeah. upon some craziness. And therefore, we have adopted. Am I thinking that Sunday I'm going to mess up with you and your religion? <laughs> now, but I'm going to do it continue. See, you will leave before I leave. Now. <laughs> you see, the truth got a funny way to rub you, and it rub you the bad way. Because most of you women here, if I say that the Bible is garbage, you are mad. But I was prove it with one other thing. The Bible got you as the one who started sin. Eve caused sin for the forbidden fruit. Now, you know, most of you believe it. Most of you believe that Eve started, and if she didn't start it, she cooperated with Adam. And most of you believe that's why you have pain, those of you who are mothers, Get him, come back to your child. You know why you believe it? You're stupid. And when you're stupid, you see the baby when it's in your hand. Now, you notice that the baby got a head at least five inch diameter. And you know you got your vagina isn't five inch. Otherwise, you need a camel or an elephant. So, now you know. That's the reason you have pain giving birth is the head. And you know, when you look at that shoulder, and that's 11 to 12 inches, you know that if your vagina was at least 5, it ain't 12. <laughs> now, you know, definitely, why you got the pain. It got nothing to do with any sin. You, 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 do you see my logic there? I'm trying to reason with you in everywhere possible that you could understand the truth I'm dealing with. Now, you may hear something else from the minister, from the rabbi, from the imam, different to that Friday, Saturday, and today. But you notice that they don't discuss anything, that they don't break down anything to you, because if 
Sit down. If they give you a date, you're not going back next Friday, next Saturday, next Sunday, and that sucker ain't going to have no money. Now, you understand? I had to stop to break that down to you because you may like me in one way, but now when I'm coming close to you, Jesus, or, you know what I mean, or your Allah, or your Jehovah, now I'm messing with you. I plan to mess with you because I want you to get straight. All right. Now, when the rabbi and others talk, and when we see it, the philosophical and ethical masterpiece, we must understand this philosophical, and everybody must deal with philosophy. Any group of people are together because of philosophical reasons. You don't have to write it down in a book. It's automatic that if a group of people stay together, there is a philosophical basis for their being together. It's equally mad, uh, 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 given that there, there are ethical reasons, or at least an ethical reason, for their being together. They set up a set of morals, and that moral set of morals become a code. And each person is expected to behave according to, <laughs> excuse me, his position or her position within that compact of people. Now, no one could deny this. Thus, when, it, when I said that it's a lie that the Greeks were the first to deal with philosophy, it didn't need any great thinker to come up with a conclusion. Since the Greeks were not the first people in the world that we know of, then they living together philosophically could not have been the first. And therefore, their writing about it could not have been the first philosophical concept when the ancient people along the Nile, Ethiopian, Egyptian, uh, the people of Tamari, let's call them by the modern name, the Sudanese and, and different things, Uganda, because that's the beginning of the Nile, is in Uganda and Ethiopia. Those people had already written and written in terms of their theosophical beliefs and philosophical beliefs. We can go back to the Twa. Uh, and, and who took people, the smartest people on the face of the earth. And we could see them presenting long before writing as we know it, going back into the uh, archaeological forms. We could see the Twa and Hutu people, and more so not only in the central part of East Africa, but we saw them and still see them at the southern tip of Africa, which they themselves called at one time Munumatapa, before we are now hearing Azania and um, uh, uh, Azania and the next name. Uh, as, uh, uh? No, no, no. The southern tip, they did by Azania and. Uh, no, no, there is another name. Northwest Namibia. I, I still don't call them that. Because they are, African people have changed the name from Monomotapa because the white folks said that the Monomotapa, the ruler of Monomotapa, was a bad man and he had killed the missionaries. He was a good man. <laughs> and the name should go back to remind young Africans of that part of the world one of the obligations they have. And one of the obligations they have is to learn how to kill white folks. It is equally your obligation.
Because one day you're going to have to do it. I, I heard you are now satisfied that half of the beaters have been convicted. So at least we got half of justice. So Randy King will get a few million dollars, which he's unable to spend because he's like a gently fresh. Uh, talking about we, we have to come together. <laughs> and now we are all entrepreneurs, so we don't mind about Rodney King. And everybody was worried if the brothers are going to challenge the police and open arms since the police have shown the amount of military hardware they have in hand. If they were found innocent, you, I, excuse me, I don't think the brothers in California were stupid enough to attack the police in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is not the only city in California. You attack any place where the cracker was and is. Maybe the White House. It doesn't matter. A cracker is a cracker. It's a pickle. Now let me go on again. Because some of you may believe that an Egyptologist should not think as I do. That all I should be talking about Egypt. But I, I have to bring in, you see, the, the reason I am an Egyptologist is because I know the past and I know how it affects the present. Now, let's continue. Rabbi Selsa, and he has since been banished out of Great Neck, having been mistreated by Yosef Ben Yohan. <laughs> Rabbi Selsa had failed to recognize that the foundation of Judaism, which is the foundation of Christianity, which is the foundation of Islam, because that's the manner in which these three religions, and you could call it what you want, started. First, there was an Abraham, then there was a Jesus, the Christ created by Batias and Botias, and then there was a Muhammad Ibn Abdullah, who dealt with the term God in the Arabic language, and that uh, language uh, uh, is, is no different than any language. Whether you call the deity in Arabic Allah, or you call the deity God, or you call the deity Dio, it still means the deity, the male form of the deity. Of course, it is a problem by which Abraham and all of them had. It seems as if that the Hebrews or Jews, whatever name we want to call them, had gotten afraid of their women, as they did with Adam and Eve's story. And they finally decided to deny their mama the proper place she held in world reality. She had given birth to the bastards and should have turned her foot when they were coming on and snapped their neck. But like most women, they were being kind and allowed these monsters to grow up to the point of writing a book and taking us out of it. So the Jews could not deal with a goddess any longer because they couldn't deal with their mama, much less their woman that they were sleeping with. 
So they had to remove the woman out of the picture. And she could no longer be a deity. In the case of the Christian, uh, the, the, the Christian male could not deal with the woman either. So therefore, Jesus' mother, who was the mother of God according to the Christian, had to be removed from a position of goddess. The Christian man, who had lost his testicles, and everything else, and if he had it, wasn't functioning properly. And therefore, the woman must shame them by performing, and he couldn't respond. And therefore, it was necessary at the Nicene Conference to remove Mary from an honored position that they had copied in terms of Isis. Isis had fulfilled her sexual obligation to Osiris. She had given Osiris sex to the point of a child. But what had happened after Osiris was killed by this evil brother, said Typhon, Isis found herself unable to produce a child with a dead man. This is the situation with most of our Christian folks because many of us are having sexual intercourse with the Lord. As a matter of fact, all the nuns are married to the Lord, Jesus. Of course, uh, after he failed, they come to me, and <laughs> oh, someone of do what the Lord cannot do, because the Lord did not do it. And what you all said, at 33, I mean, that's stop reasoning this thing. At 33 years of age, you said that a man comes down in a polygamous country. Where everybody having an extra wife or 10 or 5 or 50 or more. And that man didn't touch anybody at all. Then he went to a big wedding and saw the people having a fun. And he sat up there, mixed like he paid wine, you call it, and had a good time. When everybody was grabbing at some woman, he was right there just watching. And every time you see him, we do 12 men. <laughs> now it is up for you to draw your own conclusion and not blame me for this. You got to do use your reason. Ask if you had asked to see at least one of the eighteen books that were taken out of your Bible, then you would understand that that was a lie. That he was going to bed with Martha. J.C. had thrown a little boy off the roof. Because you would have written, you would have read the 18 books, and you would have read the Aquarian Gospel, and you would have seen the other side of the life of Jesus that your minister and rabbi, I mean, and, 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 and uh, what is the prophet or whatever they call themselves, had denied you. You would have seen that he acted as a normal man. He acted as a Norman man in the synagogue when he whipped asses one day, overshot change in the money box. You would have seen that, but you can't see it. You're still mad. I could look in some of your face. You, you're painting. You're hurting. You're hurting because I'm talking about a man that has sex with that woman as your man have with you, if he's much of a man. Now, but you can't have that. Because since sex is simple, you can't have Jesus getting laid. Because you know sex is bad. Because your sex is messed up, you believe 
everybody sex is messed up. So Jesse couldn't have had sex. Just God made the penis and the vagina. You know, if God, if, if sex is bad, God is responsible for it. He made Adam, but clear and whatnot. And he attached a penis to Adam, obviously. It was at least half Adam he made before he put the penis on. Because you got to get, either whether he come down or go up, in midsection, he slapped the penis in there. <laughs> in the case of Eve, he must have done it the same way. Even though he took the flesh from Adam and rubbed Adam's rib cage. I mean, you know you get mad, you get mad. But am I correct? Am I reason, is my reason, is reasoning logical? Is your belief logical? I mean, look at yourself. You don't have to take off your clothes now. Just think back this morning, how you look. <laughs> and see if I'm not describing the way you look. Right? All right. I mean, then you know I'm right. But you can't say I'm right because the cracker wrote a book and put it in your hand with all kind of pictures. And you know it was you in the picture. Oh, you know, you're white. <laughs> now, understanding this clearly, we have to understand and don't fail because when I went up here to Michigan the other night, I spoke for two fraternities and a sorority joined with another group to sponsor me. And I told him when I got there, I said, I'm very, very happy that you all brought, but you all don't know you good about me when I leave. Because <laughs> I have to talk with you and them Greeks. And them freaks. <laughs> because it's the, the truth isn't varied by virtue of the money in the collection plate. The truth is the truth irrespective of who sponsored me. And you're going to hear it. And then I told them, this, I was brought there to speak, isn't it? A conference of black males on white campuses. And the conference had at least 30% crackers. So I asked them, what are these crackers doing in here? <laughs> this is a conference for black males on white campuses. And I see all these as a woman, I said, are these your women? I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm asking. I didn't say the word. And, and I asked, uh, which one of you white women were with this with black man in here? That put a little chill in the community because a, a few of them didn't want to know who they were going with, so they uh, couldn't deal with it. But anyhow, one the thing that happened to people is that we are accustomed to all of these frauds. And when the fraud hit us on our head, we cannot make the change. And we condemn the person who comes to us and say, here, there's a fire. See, the smoke, it didn't, the smoke didn't come by itself. The smoke is coming from a fire. Let us search for the fire. And you who are dealing with the smoke said, no, it is smoke, but no fire. This is a special smoke. It comes from a white man. And if a white man said there's no fire, even though there's smoke, there ain't no fire. I came to you to explain that the reason we can be lulled to sleep with a half decision in the Rodney King case is 
understand, we can lull to be lulled to sleep Friday at the mosque, Saturday at the synagogue, and Sunday at church. Because we got a half of the truth, a half of the truth that started in Africa. And the reason is that we are not willing to deal with the truth. For those of us who see brothers and sisters, whether from Haiti or, or from the west coast of Africa, practicing the worship of God for them, have difficulty even respecting the, 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 the religion voodoo. We have followed, and any comedian goes on the radio, could make joke about voodoo and voodoo. And there's no objection to us. Nobody writes in to the, to the editor to the, or to the anybody. But let somebody come and make joke about Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Allah, and Jehovah, and you will send a ton of letters overnight. The fact is, if I said Jesus, Allah, and so forth, I heard no grimaces, but let me say Onkolonkolo, the God of the Amazulu. Let me say Engai, the God of the people of the Agukuyu of Kenya, and so on and so on. A general, a general. But even let me say, other than that, let me say that the Ginkgo tree is God. And immediately you got a word for me. I'm an ominous. Now, I don't know what, that, what you mean by that, and I don't think you know what you mean either. But what do you mean? What's wrong about being anonymous? Because I go to the tree. I wish to cut down the tree as a firewood or to make a bed for my children or myself to lay on. And so I get there and say to the tree while watching the beautiful leaves uh, uh, tossing in the, in the breeze, uh, and I say to the tree, tree, I have to speak to you and ask you permission to cut you down uh, because I'm sorry. I realize that you're alive. How in the world I live in, I must use you. You are related to me, yes. We are in the same world. But my interrelationship with you, I have to use you in this manner in order to sleep. I will not cut you down just to put you in my living room to show my friends. I will do as some people do, the big hunter who comes to Kenya and with a telescopic lens 500 miles away almost, kills the lion and is a big hero. Uh, he doesn't take the knife and go with his mouth and then grab the lion, give the lion a fair chance, and then... <laughs> but now I, I'm talking to the tree, and I'm saying to the tree the reason, and you get there and say, look at that stupid man, he's talking to a tree. Well, I'm talking to a tree that thinks better than you do, so your Bible says he looked like a man, but he walked like a tree. That's why you tell you, but does it, is, it, is it a literal fact, or is he saying that a man my, look like a man, but I walk like a tree, I don't move, I shake, I roll, I move, but still I'm steady, my both, both feet are standing on the earth at the same place. In our case, we are moving, but we're worse than the tree. We are worse than the tree because now we are talking about ecology. But your African ancestor by talking to the tree, had his built-in ecology because he didn't cut down any tree for any frivolous reason. 
He cut down a tree only when it was basic to his livelihood. And there we come to the concept here of what's ethical, what's philosophical in the origin. The origin of taking cognition of what we have as an African people and then losing it. I know this book of uh, uh, Dr. Blyton has been reprinted outside there, and I'm glad for the person who brought it back. But then we let us go back to Blyton since we brought the book and see. Blyton, Blyton spoke of this in another perspective. Blyton spoke of this in terms that we can't deal with it. We speak of our women in terms of a Christian background morality, a Muslim background morality, a Hebrew background morality. We do not treat our women in an African, regardless of what country or what culture from Africa, background. That's one of the reasons for our plight, our struggle with our woman. She becomes a counterpart. We speak of our relationship between men and women as if two soldiers on the battlefield. I went and asked these young, young people up at Michigan, the next time you invite me, please invite me to a conference of black women and black men. I'm tired of going to conferences of black women complaining about black men and black men complaining about black women. The reason you got to complain is because you can look at yourself. The night I went in the first night, after the afternoon conference, they had a dance. I wasn't surprised. So they're going to forget everything they had during the day. But at the dance, I went there to look and see if black women are holding black men or and black men are holding black women. And I stood there, and the young man or the young woman comes in front. They, I'm going to get up here this time. He comes, and there's a girl sitting there, and he stops, he made like this, she got up, and he made like this, <laughs> and she doing the same thing, never once did they touch each other, never once. And then, being in the subway to show you how bad things are going, I was in the subway, uh, I had enough courage to go down there. <laughs> Keeping my hand in my pocket was bluffing somebody that I had something. Because when I'm called to somebody, I always do this. But, and then look me for the brother figure. Don't mess with him. <laughs> but in the subway, I heard a young man, very nice, handsome-looking young man, hello to a very beautiful young lady, Hey, bitch, come here. And the young lady came. What do you want, baby? And he said, bitch, and I tell you. So I stood there. I thought he was speaking to a bitch, so I was looking for the bitch. <laughs> and I didn't see any female dogs. I know you're not supposed to have a dog on leash or not on leash in the subway. And then 
says, I wonder how could we speak in that kind of English to a dog? But when I realized this, this young lady responded, and I said, oh, she's a bitch. Well, she don't have four legs. So I couldn't withstand it anymore. I asked the young lady, did you hear what he called that other girl? He called her his bitch. And she said, yeah, that's his bitch. <laughs> and, I, and I said, Do you, are you a bitch for somebody else? She said, yeah, I got me. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I, I said, I, I couldn't. Play, so I called up one of my granddaughters because I want to get this thing together. <laughs> I know I'm getting to be a fossil. I'm getting rather old. And I, and I said, Tracy, are you a bitch? She said, Granddaddy. <laughs> I said, the good, I, I mean, I just asked. She said, how could you ask me such a question? I said, do you respond to a man, a young man calling you a bitch? She said, no. That'd be the last time you talked to me. I said, just want to check. I want to check. <laughs> and I called a few of them. <laughs>
Nobody has spoken to you, obviously, basically. We all come to show you how good we did taking our PhD. And, and that PhD is jamming us up, jamming us up everybody else with this uh, and other things. So basically, what this suggests to me, the title today, Understanding Alkevalan's Original Philosophical Ethical Masterpiece, is a masterpiece that the Africans created our ancestors way back there. If we now have stand by this masterpiece, I do not mean that we have to go around, get rid of your car, you know, you decide to go to the airport walking from here to Newark Airport. I don't mean that. Jump on, a, on the biggest turkey you saw, see and try to ride it. I don't, I don't mean that. Do not even jump on a jackass back and try to go to the airport because the plane going to be in the next place and you're going to be at the airport yet. I don't mean that. But I mean the fundamental principles for which our ancient ancestors stand. Those fundamental principles we can apply in modern life today. I could be driving a, a 12-year-old car and still dealing with modern fundamentals. Uh, it is a mistake that we tell our children, and we agree with our children, that we are in two different worlds. And that, that, that when you got another thing you call about uh, the China's in uh, something, I forget what it's saying, but it indicates that the child is at a different life than you. It's impossible. Generation gap. If you are living today, and your child is living today. You're in the same direction. You're still in the same world. You're still thinking, and hopefully you're thinking that much as you can advise your child, your grandchild and great-grandchildren and so on. So it's a myth to tell the child that we are operating in a different generation. If your child is not dressed properly, and some of you trying to outdress your children in ignorance, I mean... Some of you are so dressing that I, you're standing up and I see the bottom of your drawers, and, and then you tell me it's the style. Now, how in the world, how in the world your teenage daughter is trying to hide herself, and you've got your ass showing? I mean, let's say what it is. Let's say what it is. And then you come in the subway. If you're standing up and see the bottom of your drawers, now you decide to sit down. And I'm a vigorous man, <laughs> sitting on the opposite side, and you can't get your drawers down once you dress. And I angle myself to see, to get a proper angle that I can see the stuff, because it's cute stuff. And then you watch me and say, I'm a dirty old man. <laughs> There's nothing dirty about me. I am healthy. It's good stuff to see, and I want to look at it. <laughs> the fact that you got good stuff, I don't know. You got good stuff is not my fault. <laughs> I know it's good stuff. I know it needs protection from me. I know you need to build up a curiosity in me to want it. And I know I'm supposed to fight for it. But you're telling me, you know, this fight here it is. You can touch the shaman anytime you want. <laughs> no, no. We gotta say, because I've seen two young ladies right here in front. We, we gotta say, uh, for the men, 
the brothers know got pants, the pants are so tight in the behind, the other day I try and pitch well under the pair of trousers. And I put on the thing, I said, damn, this feel like a girl. I, I haven't had a girl, but I saw my daughters when they were young putting on girdles. That time they used to wear girdles. And this thing looked just like a girdle. And I see the sisters, they must grease themselves and jump on the roof down to, to, to get a these things. I mean, let us, I mean, we got to come back to some sanity. If you understand who is designing clothes, Done in the garment industry. Then you understand that them packets are trying to, what they're trying to do is disgrace you. They're putting you in some clothes that your men get disgusted of them so that they could get your men. You understand? You understand? If they make you look of your men, why should a man want you? Ain't got no problem with him. They get sex and he ain't got no expense because he ain't gonna get pregnant, don't care how we try. Therefore, he doesn't. You, you get the picture. Now, <laughs> one has to, we see, we are coming together and dealing with all these philosophical things, but not bringing the, the esoterical part. We're talking about the esoterical. And forget the exoterical, that one isn't separate from the other. It's like me, uh, you know, you'll be in the street and you get hit by a car. And a doctor comes up and he says, oh, she got come from fracture of the leg. But I can't touch her because I'm a hot man. <laughs> so even the school, medical school, he learned the entire body. But he decides to specialize on the heart. You mean to tell me he can't deal with a compound fracture? The other day I went to a doctor, we'll call the name. And the man had to give me a draw some blood. He had to call his nurse because he hasn't taken blood in a long time. Now I'm going to die because I need that damn thing. What kind of a doctor has reached to the point that he can't take some blood? He's lost that skill. So it means, it means that all he could do is handle the heart. And that's what I mean, is that we have modernized with quotation marks, ourselves to the point that the ethics, the ethical mastery, the ethics within even medicine. Can you imagine me calling Imhotep and said to Imhotep or his mother or any of the physicians there or any of the physicians who left us medical treaties going back as far as 2000 before the common era and said to them, you know, a man is down the street, a woman is down the street. She broke her leg, she had a compound fracture. And he said to me, no, I can't handle her because I only deal with the heart. And talking about the heart, we have to stop dealing with the heart as an abstract. I love you, young ladies. You don't love nobody with your heart. You love with your mind, you understand? Let your mind do the thinking. When you love with your heart, that's when you get in trouble. Because the heart doesn't love. It has no capacity to love. The heart is a muscle, the biggest muscle in your body. And its only function is pumping the blood. That's the only function. It is a myth to say 
love with your heart. No. We must deal with dealing with reality. You call, brother come to you and ask not brotherly and persist in misbehavior. You then use your mind and reject him outwardly from the mind to your lips and tell him what has to be told. Don't just wait and you have to do anything because you're going to be pregnant before the heart say anything. <laughs> now, these are things that we need to know. And we need to know them uh, by virtue of the certain respectability I need to call on. And this I have not seen. I had to speak to some of the brothers and sisters up at the conference because I had seen uh, a few sisters at the conference and they were pregnant. And there's nothing wrong with pregnancy and there's nothing wrong with pregnancy when you're young. I don't. My mother was 19 years old when she got pregnant with me. Uh, but there was something else besides the pregnancy. My father had paid her the proper respect. And therefore, he had won the rights for the most gracious thing she had, heaven. You see, my father knew that heaven wasn't someplace in the air beyond where the airplane goes. My father knew that my mother had heaven, and his mother had heaven. And heaven is the place that all of us came from. It is So my father addressed her with a proper respect for her to give him the authority, the, door, the key to the doors of heaven, to enter. Now, what is that proper respect? Which I am not seeing. Uh, right today, today my son and my wife, Dr. Vorka, are on the boat left Florida on its way to the Bahamas and other places. He, my, my son is getting married to a young lady on the boat. Uh, they have a boat and the honeymoon and everything. Like you, you say, well, why I am not there? I have other obligations and my wife is representing me. What? Uh, why is he marrying this young lady. Is the young lady pregnant? No. That's no reason to marry. That will be the last reason to marry because somebody pregnant. You marry because you have a certain feeling for a woman. And your economics is correct. You see, he's got a very good job. He should have a business. But he got a very good job. She has a very good job. Now that's logical basis for marriage. You can't be no job. <laughs> Waiting on mama and daddy. And you so much in love that I got to marry. You ain't got a pot to piss in, no window to trade out of, and you go get married. <laughs> huh? Now you said, as long as I love him and he loved me, you must stop together like that. <laughs> I die. 
So, I told my son, if she's good enough to lie in bed, then she's good enough to marry. I'm not doing no heaven and God and, and nothing like that. Don't, I told my son, do not lay in bed or the ground with what is not good enough to be a wife. So that, so that if she gets pregnant, no, dealing with the possibility, because they are possible. If when you're laying with her and she gets pregnant, you ain't got no problem marrying her. Because before you lay with her, she's good enough to be a wife. So then if there's an emergency, you do it voluntarily. A mother or father don't have to talk to you about it. Because you start out respecting her, knowing that she has the capacity and quality to be a wife. Now, if she doesn't have that, masturbate before you lay with her. Because you don't want your child being born from any and anything. You understand? And if she's not of the quality that meets the standard of your family, then don't touch her. You understand? Now, That's part of what we have lost. And that's part of why there are so many sisters who have children and swear if she sees the brother, she will throw a part of hot lie on him. Or at least she desires to do it even though she don't have the strength to do it. I could understand it. Because the ethical and philosophical aspect that our ancestors came under, we have given this up for the Western love. So thus we say, on the day of our betrothal, the day we decided to marry the man or marry the woman, depending on the case may be, we say the same day, I want to be as far from my mother-in-law as I can. Shouldn't we want to be as close to our mother-in-law as we can? What happened to extended family? Well, we should. We don't. Because we said, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm going to move from my mother's house. Because now we are modern. We get rid of a pair of shoes as soon as it's walked on three times. So as soon as I feel that I'm a man... I keep getting that hard on and it's not to pee. It is time to move on, and that's our ethics. Whereas, when we go home, the daughter cannot move from her mother's house. No more can the son move from his mother's house until they're married. Well, that protects the dignity of the woman. It protects the dignity of the household. It protects the ethical value because what it's saying, why countries that have that kind of behavior, take Egypt, where a man, if he's Muslim, can have as much as four wives. Yet there are very few families where a man have two wives as much as four. It is not economic only. It is because Marriage is regulated by the family. 
And a man cannot move from his mother house, no more can a woman unless they're married. If you do, the family will read you out. If you marry, for example, and you won't take you from one tongue a hundred miles away to another tongue another hundred miles away, and your family live in this town, and let's say you have to come to this town for a reason. It is impolite to the point of the family reading you out of their family. If you should go to a hotel and not to your mother or your aunt, you must stay with a member of your family even if you have to sleep on the floor. Because how could you go to a hotel and not to a member of your family? That's the ethics. Now think of it. Think of yourself. How do you feel about that? That isn't the training you had. That's not the training you had in the church. That's not the training you had in the synagogue. That's not the training you had in the mosque. And that's why we are failing. We are failing because we have taken the European value, not realizing the reason the reason European developed this. He has advice, a piece of metal to dig a hole in it, to pull out a fish, one fish, to support that little family. So he had to kill off a certain amount of the girls when they showed up, show up. He developed a psychology based upon what he called a family. This little unit leaving out his old grandmother and grandfather. And that psychology we have adopted because we are educated in his schools. Even our universities and our colleges, when we say it is a black president, a black vice president, a black everything, even a black toilet cleaner, but the curriculum is a European white curriculum. And that is as I wind down. And that's what I mean. And I can't change my projection because I have seen the results of what I'm talking. And for the last 53 years, I'm struggling in this arena. I've seen successes and failures. The successes that I've seen are based upon when the African man, woman, or child approach whatever they are doing from an African perspective. Yes, it is the hardest way. It is the hardest way, yet I, I feel some sort of a comfort when I speak to Mrs. Laurie Welch. You don't know the person. I'm talking about a woman who married a man, and in seven days after the marriage, He's dead. I spoke to her every morning for the last eight, nine days. And I called her. I could expect the entire story of how she was at the hospital, how he died. She, can't, she cannot open a conversation with anyone unless going through like a record, a tape recorder, because the pain 
so strong. She can't deal with it without repeating herself and going over this tragedy. Is it because she wants to? No. It's a compelling reason beyond her control to do this. It's her dying devotion to this man that she can't as yet accept that he's dead. It is the same, somewhat the same as me this morning dialing 926-9425. I got to 9269 and then said, what are you doing? The man is in the funeral parlor. Because every morning, practically when I'm in New York, I was dying Mrs. Laurie Welch's husband, Aubrey Welch, to say, are we going to eat champagne? What are we going to eat in 22 West? Oh, he's dying in me. Or sometimes I'm dying in Sister Kefa. Or sometimes Sister Kefa is dying in me. Or sometimes somebody is in the circle where we live and the circle of friends that we have. And in the circle of friends that we have, the reason the pain is so much is because there is an aspect of African reality that we have gone back to. There's an esoterical base to the way we live. Some of us demonstrated by the African clothes we wear and other things. Some of us demonstrated by our behavior pattern in public to our sisters and brothers and to our loved ones. And some of us uh, demonstrated in other ways. But to me, it is most important that I live a rigid African life, yes? Three years, and it has had some economic deprivation. But the beauty and pain I feel give me the love Mrs. Laurie Welch feel. Though she feels this love for a man who is now lying in the funeral parlor, the love she feels for her husband is no different than the love I feel for the work I'm doing. Because you cannot separate the esoterical feeling from the exoterical reality. Love is expressed, and it's hard to give a definite, a one definition of the term, but the love for one's people is like the love for a mother, by a mother for her child, or a woman for her husband. For in either case, one is willing to put one's life as the ultimate price. And I say, the love that the woman shares for her child, for her man, it is time that that love be returned to her by the African man. And we are way behind. I say way behind because when we walk out and leave our child, 
99% of the time, the African mother nourished that child. Yes, sometimes she even must take on another man, or two men, or ten men, or do something as a steal, or prostitute, or do something. But that love, and that's the love I'm talking about, it is a disease. And I hope that we get an epidemic. Thank you. But how? How to have an indication of the type of contribution that is referred to. Hold on one second, family. Let me go for it. I think that we should really express our love and appreciation for Dr. Ben and Black Power Beauty 48. Uh, right, that was uh, Dr. Ben. The concept of my understanding of the Kibbalah. So, with that being uh, ran through just now, hold on one second. All right. That being ran through right there, we're going to... We recorded. Black Power, y'all hear me out there? Can y'all hear me out there? Black Power. Black Power. Can y'all hear me out there? Yeah, yeah, Black Power, fam. All right, so I'm going on with my other mic. All right, all right. But, yeah, that was that Dr. Ben. I said just that uh, firehouse, Dr. Ben, Dr. Ben right there, you know. He was going in hard. You know, all right, but um, 
All right, everybody out there in BB48, BB48 family, how y'all doing out there tonight? Like I said, I said Dr. Ben. He was getting in there real hard. I was with Dr. Ben with the, uh, you know, definitely on his fire starter. Sister, come here. You out there? Let me see. Let me see who out there. Let me see. That's my thing. I don't know if I should work in or not. Yeah, I hear you, family. I'm on this search real quick, family. Yeah, yeah. I was about to um just wrap up and hit with the give everybody the um information on Dr. Ben again, get the Saturday information. But it seems like somehow I can't really. Get into the chat room. So maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Let me see. Let me see. All right, that's what's wrong. All right, Sister Camille, you out there? Oh, no. I see a couple of lines out there. Well, anyway, thank y'all for coming out tonight. You know what it is. We uh, we was rocking over that Dr. Ben tonight. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, we was dealing with my aunt and the Lawn. He got into a lot of uh, a lot of different social issues that we dealing with also. Um, and you know, and dealing with the social issues was in the context of, of what was my aunt. You know, dealing with the science of how you. Uh, you know, talk to the black woman all the way down to the uh, faggotry in the community. Uh, definitely uh, a power pack. Uh, lecture, and what I would do with that lecture, though, I'm going to take that lecture and I'm going to put it in the chat room for anybody want to, you know, might want to check it out later. Let me see here. Let me chat room for you. All right. So, boom, that's in the chat room right now. Right, let's see what else we got rocking. But uh, let me uh, let me get to get to this other information for y'all too. Let me see here. And this for those who in the who are in the area who can get to it. Uh, the home going funeral services for Dr. Yosef Ben Yachanai are as follows: The wake will be Thursday, April ninth, two thousand and fifteen, between four and eight p.m. at the Abyssinian Baptist Church, one thirty two West one hundred thirty eighth Street, New York, New York. Uh, the number. Uh, to the, the church is uh, 212-862-7474. Again, that's 212-862-7474. Uh, in Dua, our funeral service will be Friday, April 10th, 2015, 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the same 
uh, place to have a Simeon Baptist Church, 130, 130, uh, 132 West 138th Street, uh, New York, New York. Again, the uh, phone number is the same, and that's 212-862-7474. Uh, any details, uh, he will be uh, buried at Ferncliff Cemetery, 280 Sakura Road in Arsley, New York. All funeral proceedings have been paid for by the guardian of Dr. Ben, Brother Roger White, friends and close associates of Dr. Ben, and friends and close associates of Dr. Ben Yokanai. Uh, no emergency funds are needed at this time. Please hold your large donation gifts until we get a foundation or other institution in place. So that's that that's that info on Dr. Ben. All right, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, okay, okay. Let me get down here and see what other news we got to drop off. And uh, you know, if y'all if y'all can get out uh, get those uh, Dr. Ben books before they start pricing them outrageous. You know, uh, a lot of times once a, a person passes on, they will take the works, price them out of range where you can't get anything. So, all right, let's see what else we got going on. Let's see, let's see what else the last thing we got going on to put in here. And uh, so, just like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see another, uh, I don't see any anything else to put in on, uh, on Dr. Ben. I think that's all, uh, that's the, uh, most of the information. And what I say is just sort of how Saturday we will be, you know, we we uh we touched the we touched the Ferguson report somewhat, but this uh Saturday what I wanna do is I wanna uh I wanna bring in a black woman who uh deals intently with the uh Department of Injustice you know, fighting for incarcerated uh, 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 incarcerated soldiers, our POWs, those who are behind the walls of the beast. And, um, you know, she definitely puts out, you know, she, she does a lot of work in the community with uh, making sure that children are able to see their parents, things of that nature, you know, um, just an all-around uh, good black woman doing the best that she can in the black neighborhood. And uh, always on the forefront of uh, anything when you know if you if anything going on with the police department, you've been abused or mistreated, ill handled. You know she's definitely a black woman who's willing to go to bat and not for the purpose of uh, monetary, but for the love of the African people. So you know I want to bring her in 
we want to go over a couple of things that the Department of Justice uh, hit, and we want to, you know, just have a all-around um, listening session to somebody who working in the field of, um, you know, working in the field and de- dealing with these laws and legal issues, and just listen to some of the things that you got to say and how, and um, you know, just the way that they work or strive to work the system, you know. Um, and that's what we're going to deal with, Slaughterhouse Saturday. You know what it is. You know how we do. It's uh, feet on the ground. It's your brother born. We're going to go out like we came in. And that's, and you know how we, we're going to go out how we came in on a, on a regular. But uh, I guess it's Slaughterhouse Saturday. That'll be 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Y'all can step on there. It'll be 6.30 on the west side, the best side. Give remembers to Dr. Ben on on this day. We'll have we'll make sure that we celebrate for you know for about forty days straight. Give honors, you know, uh, take to make sure that we reestablish those uh, inspirational truths that he put into our ears, into our hearts and our minds. The reawakening of our African spirit. You know, we definitely. You definitely thank not the best for that. But with that being said, let me, let me thank everybody for coming out. We're gonna we're gonna jump into the into the back room. I'll hit y'all up in the back room. But um with that being said, though, praise that Turner, glory to Garvey, and long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled to do Muhammad, praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells and long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Bohemer. Be before the end. Whether you're moving in together for the first time, this can be your closet, or you're a new parent to a little fur baby, Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.